Hello and welcome to Sabbath School Quarterly Commentary. This is your pure gold commentary podcast. And as the name suggests, this is a commentary. It's not a study guide. So grab your study guide if you're not driving or running while listening to us. My name is Morgan Vincent. And in this week's episode, we have Lindell Peterson to discuss the theme of meekness in the crucible. Lindell, welcome again. And thank you for joining us again. Thanks, Morgan. It's my pleasure to join you again. It's good fun. It's going to be an interesting topic. It is. And I think as we've journeyed for a little while now through this quarter, this theme of being in the crucible, we've had some really good discussions. And today we're focusing on meekness in the crucible. And what does that look like? How can we be people of meekness when we're going through difficulties and trials and hardships as well? And I guess what comes to mind to start us off is that when we look at modern culture and society today, there can be a focus on qualities such as self-confidence and and self-promotion, and we want it now, we want it instantly. And at times, qualities such as humility and even patience, they can at times seem a little dated or weak even. But I guess when we look at the Bible and the life of Jesus in particular, we see that meekness isn't a weakness, but rather it's a strength. It's a strength of the follower of Christ. And so we're going to look at that and the relationship between suffering and meekness and how meekness can actually be a powerful tool in our witness for Jesus as well. And so if you were to think about meekness, what would be a bit of definition summary of what meekness is? To be honest, before looking at this lesson, I probably wouldn't have been able to give a great definition of meekness. To me, the first thing that has always come to mind was this idea of like timid and mild. But if you look it up, yeah, it does have some sort of illusions of being quiet and gentle. But I think one of the biggest thing here is this idea of a sense of humility. And I know one of the dictionary definitions, I think it actually talks about this sense of humility while suffering is going on and this sort of patience without holding anger or resentment. And that's a really challenging (laughs) definition for me. Mm -hmm. I guess you've probably heard the whole idea of Jesus meek and mild, that kind of concept. And growing up, I heard these kind of concepts and I just thought, oh, it's a very passive kind of Jesus being patient and which he was. But I think sometimes I'm, I've perhaps lost a little side of the definition because if you look at the entirety of what the full depth of the meaning of meekness, like you mentioned before, there's nothing really passive about it at Mm. all. You highlighted this idea of how culture pushes back against this kind of weakness, how we should be assertive and confident and promote ourselves. Social media really, really buys into that, this kind of self-promotion attitude. But in contrast to this, this idea of not necessarily being weak, but holding strength during difficulties, to me, has blown my mind about the real meaning of what meekness means. And as you alluded to, there's this kind of strength in that, that on first thought hearing the word, I don't go, oh, that's a quality of strength. Meekness is Hmm. strength. So it's going to be interesting to compact that and what scripture says around this whole concept of meekness as well. That's great. And I guess I think a great place to start is looking at how meekness or from that same Greek word gentleness is a fruit of the spirit. And we see that list of them there in Galatians 5. The fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness or meekness and self-control. And when we stop and think about that, when we're wanting to to understand who God is, we can look to Jesus and see this beautiful, this perfect personification, if you will, of who God is. And Jesus demonstrated that gentleness. He demonstrated that meekness in such a profound way through his life, through his teachings. And I think 
If I was to be in, in the situations Jesus was in, to teach people to love their enemies and to turn mm. the other cheek, it doesn't take too much for me to get my feathers ruffled and get a bit unsettled. And so it has to be a fruit of the spirit. I really think it does because when we're going through these difficult moments in life, these crucibles, it's just not a human thing where we're able to muster the gentleness, the meekness to carry through. So it definitely has to be a spirit thing. And I agree with you that this is where there's something so beautiful about this concept of meekness or gentleness, which we touched on a little bit earlier, but it's this withholding or recognition of strength or the power that you have. For example, I think of my daughter who's three and we're often saying to her with her younger cousin, you need to be gentle. You need to be gentle. What she doesn't recognize is that when she's playing with him as a baby, she's actually stronger than him and she in her efforts to try and show love and affection and a various play with him she's exhibiting strength and strength that she doesn't realize that she has and so when we say be gentle she has to recognize that she's in a position of power over him essentially I know it's complex for a toddler but when we're saying be gentle mm -hmm. she has to withhold her power put her power and ability aside for the sake of someone else and that's where I see this gentleness coming through in a picture of Jesus, because you're right, he, out of anyone, <laughs> he has the right to put Pharisees in their place. He has the right to put mm -hmm. anyone he comes in contact and tell them this is how it is and to exhibit his authority. But he withdraws it and he holds it back. He exhibits gentleness because he recognizes that he's in a position of power and he chooses that for, as we'll see later, for the greater good, because he recognizes that certain things have to happen, certain things need to take place for salvation to come. Mm -hmm. And so I love that gentleness is this picture of sort of withholding or, and as you mentioned, for us as humans, it's only by the spirit. <laughs> we can do mm -hmm. that in some situations. It's a fruit of the spirit to be able to mm -hmm recognize that we, yeah, we'll put ourselves at disservice, not exhibit authority and power because we want to follow the path of Jesus. We want to exhibit love, gentleness, patience, all those types of things. And we're going to look at a couple of examples of people in the Bible that very much demonstrated meekness in a crucible, in a difficult situation. One of those is Ezekiel in the Old Testament. And it's a very obscure story. He's called to discipleship, but he's also called to hardship as well. And there in Ezekiel 24, Essentially, Ezekiel was one of about 10,000 Jews that was taken into Babylonian captivity, and God permitted the life of Ezekiel's beloved wife to die. Now, we know obviously that this wasn't God's desire in the sense of his first option, but yet through this, in God permitting it, there's something that happens here. And I just want to read briefly from the scriptures here. Ezekiel 24 verses 16, God says, Son of man, behold, I take away from you the desire of your eye with one stroke. Yet you shall neither mourn nor weep, nor shall your tears run down. If you've lost your spouse, God here is saying, well, actually, Ezekiel, you're not going to mourn. Like, this is crazy. I mean, even somebody that's three or four degrees of separation removed from me and my family, I, I would still get emotional about that. And yet here, like, something's going on here. So God humbles Ezekiel through this, and Ezekiel submits to it. And here, through this very tragic experience, God is teaching the nation very practical object lesson. And with this in mind, you just think, what on earth? Like, this is an incredible story that Ezekiel is experiencing, but yet the posture he has toward that 
and the response he has toward that. I have to admit, this is a challenging story for me as well. And I guess at the end of it, we see that through his example, the Jew and the Israel nation are reconvicted of the sovereignty of God. But I don't know, sometimes I go, does the end justify? But God's playing something out here. And I guess we see it again in the picture of Jesus, the awful, horrific way that Jesus died. But the Mm. end result being that it meant that we have salvation and Jesus' willingness to put everything aside. It's a really a tough one. I'm curious how people, how others are going to wrestle with this as we mm, you know, go yeah. through this part of the lesson. Something as well, and it's a radical thought when I guess I started to think about it a few years ago now, is this idea and truth that, that God speaks to us, to people all around the world through not just giving blessings, but also taking blessings away. And it's a, it's a crazy thought. And look, I have to admit, it's not something that that sits well with me. But nonetheless, I guess I'm able to believe it by faith that God in my own life has caught my attention through not just giving blessings, but also taking blessings away. Because it's sometimes, and I am a slow learner, that sometimes God wants me to have this attitude and this posture of meekness and humility. And he can see that if I keep blessing Morgan with thing after thing, situation after situation, it But yet through God taking certain things away and situations in life, I've been able to come to a place where it's okay. It's almost, and it's that cliche saying of you'll never know how much God means to you until you realize that God is all you have left. And it's tough. And well, you look at the story of the life of Moses as well, described as the Mm -hmm. meekest man on earth, right? Which is quite a title, but you look at his life, it was fraught with difficulties Brought with challenges, only barely surviving infancy, the whole situation with being brought up in the house of Pharaoh. Then he chooses to identify himself as an Israelite with the Hebrew nation, which he was. That's what he was born into. Mm. But then his exile into the desert and the, the whole burning furnace and then leading these people out of Egypt, the faith that was required. Like the amount of challenges that he faced. And it makes you wonder. Throughout, we take a step back and we can see the whole picture of the Israelites' journey, the whole picture of the Exodus. We almost get this bird's eye view because we have the reflection of hindsight. We can see that whole story unfold. And so it's easy for us to see God's hand within that. And to see the bigger Mm. picture and the bigger purpose that God had for these people. But I have to think, if I was sitting in Moses' shoes, how would I be experiencing each individual element in each element as it goes along? I think it would have been incredibly challenging. It would have been incredibly challenging. And yet he's described as this incredibly humble, gentle kind of man that commune with God. And yeah, so there is a bigger picture going on. There is a bigger story going on if we zoom out. And I think in our individual lives, in our experience of suffering and challenges, it's easy, like you mentioned, we don't necessarily see that, but if we can see it from God's perspective, maybe things look Mm. a little bit different. And the verse comes to mind, and we've looked at this in previous weeks, and it's very much what you were touching on just then, Lindell, is how Mm. in Romans 8, 28, Paul there says, we know that all things work together for good. It doesn't say that all things are good, But it says that every situation in life works together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. And so it is, it's very easy for us to, within a couple of hours, read the whole life story of Moses. But as those months and years are unfolding, it was only because of his connection with God that he was able to have that meekness. And we, yet we do see instances where he, I guess, 
wasn't meek. Mm. And let's let's face that. There were yeah, times where he didn't demonstrate meekness, but yet throughout the summary of his life, the Bible's able to say that he was the meekest man that ever walked the earth. And I guess it brings us to the third person and example that we want to look at being Jesus. Jesus being the ultimate example of meekness and grace and humility. You mentioned earlier, Lindell, difficulties with Pharisees and Sadducees and even his own disciples and family at times. And yet through all of that, Jesus was able to demonstrate meekness and personify meekness, even at the most difficult and painful and heartbreaking times of his life as well. The verses that come to mind is in Matthew chapter 11, where Jesus calls us to partner with him. And Jesus says, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle or meek and lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And so this is an incredible promise because to our labor and to our heavy laden life, Jesus wants to give us his gentleness and he wants to give us his humility with that so we can find rest. And I love the yoke analogy as well. This idea of a yoke in those times was two animals bearing the weight of one burden. And he says, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. And it gives this idea of co-laboring with Jesus. This is mm. not of our own strength or our own accord, but we're bearing this burden together or we're bearing his burden, which is has been made light because of his work, his salvation work. And, and I think about his character as an example for us in terms of, you know, this idea of meekness. And I think it's gentle and humble of heart, he's called. And you look at his approach in the lead up to the cross, there's so many examples where he could have so easily and justifiably answered people or responded in anger and frustration, in righteous anger even, because they were wrong and what they were doing was wrong. But he knew there was a higher purpose to his mission. He knew that his time on earth was going to end in the cross and that it had to happen. And so I guess in our lives, it's an example for us, but we also don't have that bigger picture. We don't have that same burden that mm-hmm. he had to bear. And so while my attitude is an aspiration of the meekness of Christ, it's a recognition that he's walking that path with us. And as you mentioned earlier, it's the Holy Spirit trying to do that work in us by the fruit of his mm-hmm. spirit to bring that about. And it's not something I can do in my own strength, but I'm relying fully on him to work that out in me. Because I know if I was in that situation, my reaction would be completely different. But Jesus shows so much restraint. And I guess in his mind, there's a much higher goal and purpose that he needs to fulfill. And it's not about Mm -hmm. answering the Pharisees or answering the religious leaders, but it's about, or even in some cases, answering his disciples. But it's about, I'm here for one purpose and I'm going to see that that through. Yeah, Jesus taught on this as well. We can go to the Sermon on the Mountain, and I would say arguably the greatest sermon, discourse, speech ever. And yet Jesus in there calls upon us, upon the hearers then and there, to love their enemies, to pray for those who, you know, who spitefully, you know, scorn or misuse you, to turn the other cheek. Like all of these instances where it's not actually... It may seem weak. It may seem as though you're letting people just trample upon you and take advantage of you. But yet Jesus here is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. He's teaching about God's kingdom. And it's it, yes, it's a kingdom of humility. It's a kingdom of meekness. But it's also one where, the, as you said, it's bearing witness to the greater good, which I think as we can hold that. And for us, for those that are listening, we may now or in the future find ourselves in these crucibles, these difficult situations. And if we can at least believe it by faith, not necessarily 
feel as though we've got everything put together, but just know that God is working something out in and through us for the ultimate greater good as well. Having said that, Morgan, I think we also need to give context to this as well, because Jesus mm-hmm. did he did withhold his authority and power for a higher purpose, but there were times where he did speak out against mm-hmm. injustice and he spoke yep. out against the religious leaders as well. So I don't think this kind of, I don't think an attitude of meekness, gentleness is the, the I think we need to contextualise our response because I do believe there will be times where we do need to speak out against something that is wrong, but I guess it's the attitude and the tone and the way that we speak out against it that matters. Do we have humility in what we're speaking against? What sort of spirit are we coming with? Are we coming with a spirit of anger or resentment or hostility or revenge, I think is spoken yeah. about? Or are we coming with a spirit of speaking up for someone else or speaking up for a right or an injustice that we see in the world that's not of Christ, that's not of good, or that comes from an evil place? So I guess in Jesus' life, we see both elements. And this is where having that discernment to be able to know, like for him, Jesus was so intentional around when he chose to speak up and when he didn't and when it related to him and his suffering. But when he advocated for others, and I think of the woman caught in adultery, I think of so mm. many different instances where he spoke with parent authority to correct and or the Sermon on the Mount to deepen our understanding. And so there's a beautiful balance here between his ability to exhibit meekness when required, but also to speak up against the injustices that he saw around him as well. And I guess Mm. that's where we need the Holy Spirit to help us to get it right because he's not speaking from a place of anger or revenge or resentment, but from a place of trying to bring about change and peace and betterment, if that makes sense. Do you you sort of understand where I'm going with that one? (laughs) That's a good qualifier in holding that intention because I think it's certainly true. I think of how Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love does not rejoice in wrongdoing. So yes, Jesus was meek. He was mild. He was humble, but there were times where he turned tables over in temples. And so I think, as you said, it's where is our heart in all of this? And right. that to me is the, is the, that's the crux of, of the matter. But then though, we see in the closing scenes of the life of Jesus, this phrase here of holding his peace. He held his peace. He remained silent in the face of injustice. And as you said, like, there's no kind of blanket answer we can give to this because Different times, different situations are going to elicit a different response. Sometimes we speak, sometimes we don't. Sometimes we act, sometimes we don't act. And the ultimate is the greater witness to bring glory to God is the goal of that. And I really believe that in my own life, as I've seen that, it's, it, it comes from the place of having that connection with God, to have that posture of meekness, but yet knowing when to say something or not to say something. And you look, as you mentioned, like the closing moments of Jesus' life, I think particularly of the last couple of chapters in Matthew where Jesus is standing before Pilate and Pilate says to him, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answers him. He says, it is as you say. Mm -hmm. And then he's accused by the chief priests and elders and Jesus doesn't give an answer. And so Pilate says, don't you hear how many things that you're being accused of? But he chooses to say nothing when he could just have easily said, yeah, he could have responded in, uh, he could have explained himself, he could have done, um, had a myriad of different responses, but he knew that certain things would fall into place where he was headed towards the cross. That was his mm. purpose. He was even praying before, God, if it can be done any other way, take this cup from me. But as the events start to unfold towards the closing of the crucifixion, he chose 
to have that meek, gentle, humble silence, taking silence in these situations because of that greater purpose that was about to come, that greater purpose that was about to be upon his shoulders, bearing the weight of the sin of the world. And I just think Mm. what an incredible exhibition of God's love for us that even in the face of so many accusations, even when I felt like he could have been screaming out (laughs) to justify Jesus' actions and all this sort of thing, he just said, no, for the because I know that what's going to happen now, the events that are going to take place now mean that my beloved people will be, will experience salvation. And what a beautiful intention around meekness. So withholding, withdrawing our authority and strength with the intention of saving others, <laughs> with the intention yeah. of bringing love and light into a dark world. Yeah, I guess it's always around the context with which we choose to, and by the power of the Spirit, exhibit that gentleness, meekness. This is a brilliant example of that. Look, I hope for our listeners, we've been able to see how different people throughout Scripture have demonstrated meekness. They've demonstrated that that fruit of the Spirit. And for us today in our lives, that, that we too would, through a connection with Christ and through the infilling of the Spirit, we ourselves would demonstrate, or the Spirit in us demonstrate that meekness as well. Lindell, any thoughts to as we wrap up our time today? I guess for me, the biggest take-home point from this is how much more do I need the Holy Spirit to help me? Yeah. <laughs> mm. It just highlights. And I resonate with Moses. I resonate with Ezekiel in these passages, the challenge that it is and the need that I have for the Spirit to exhibit some of the fruit of the Spirit. And I'm just so thankful that God gives the Spirit so freely to us mm. when we ask for it. I would definitely agree. Even now I'm thinking of situations that I have or am now going through and it's okay. I need the Holy Spirit. I need His work to be lived out out through me. That's our hope and prayer for our listeners today. And yeah, look, Lindell, thank you so much for joining us today as we've discussed this theme of meekness in the crucible. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. If you like the conversation, tell your friends. You can subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you are listening right now. Sabbath School Quarterly Commentary is a production of the Sabbath School Department of the North New South Wales Conference. This week's episode was produced by Henrique Felix and Morgan Vincent. That's it. We'll see you next week.